How's it going, everyone? Welcome to episode 77 of Fear Frequency, a weekly horror podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne, and with me today is... George Fazard. Hey! What's up? Not that much, man. What's going on? We have a lot of new new listeners this week, I'd assume, because last week was our... Last week's episode is tied for most downloaded, which is pretty cool. The big comeback episode where... Uh... <laughs> took a little bit of time off but we got our equipment upgraded and and uh got a lot of downloads for it yeah people seem to really like the new microphones which is good because they cost us a pretty penny each <laughs> so i'm glad that people are enjoying them i'm really glad people listen to that episode because we talked about scary stories in it all around just pretty good and we were on a bi-weekly for a while but now we're we're back on the weekly weekly jam schedule thing um this week we're going to be reviewing Ready or Not, which we both saw. Before we get into that, though, do we have any reviews or emails? Uh, it looks like we do have one new review on iTunes. Uh, no oh. no text, but just looks like we got another five-star review. So not sure who did that, but thank you for it. Yeah, thank you, Ghost Reviewer. No emails? Uh, no new emails this week, no. All right, so if you want to email us, hit us up at fearfrequencypodcast at gmail.com. We'll read your emails on the show, and if you leave us a five-star review, or like four, four to five-star review, we'll read it on the show. That's fair, right? Yeah, I, I think that that's probably good enough. All right, so George, we've both been playing the same game. It's called Remnant, Remnant from the Ashes, which is a really bad name for a game. <laughs> it's like terrible. And the key art, like the box art for the game, looks like like a THQ game. Yeah, it's kind of like, remember that game, like uh, Legendary? Yeah, yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> like. It has the same font and everything. Yeah, But our buddy Grayson, who's a mod in our Discord server, he found this game. We all ended up getting it because they did a weird thing. It's made by Gunfire Games, the guys who used to be the company that made Darksiders before THQ went under. Then they went independent, made some Darksiders remasters, and got bought by THQ Nordic. So it all came full circle for them. But they just have a different name now. Uh, basically what it is, is it's like, if you mixed Gears of War and Dark Souls, is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, it's a third person action game, so it kind of has the Dark Souls feel. I mean, there's like running, crouching, rolling, um, but most of the combat is gun based instead of melee weapon based so yeah there's a lot more like long range attacks and upgrading weapons getting new stuff uh it's very exploratory though like dark souls where the whole goal of the level is basically just to unlock passageways to kind of make it quicker to get to different checkpoints and the draw is basically the further you get in the bigger bosses you fight and the more complex they are yeah, and it's a $40 game, but um, their whole thing is your character is persistent between campaign playthroughs, but the map is dynamically generated, so you can re-roll your campaign if you don't like the way your maps are generated or whatever. But So there's four worlds. There's a desert one and a city one and I guess like a swamp one and something else. I've only gotten to... I'm at the end of the desert one because I went back and started doing some dungeons in the earth world, the city. And it kind of decides, it pick, picks and chooses what bosses you're going to fight out of like a huge pool 
for each different leg of the game. And it also picks and chooses what like key items you're going to find, like what uh, like rings or mods or guns you're going to have. So it's not like a looter shooter in the sense where it's like Destiny, where you're just getting drops on drops on drops. It's like if they took everything except the exotics out of Destiny and then kind of like peppered them throughout your playthroughs instead of having to find quests to get them. Right. Which is cool. I like the system a lot. Yeah, and um, uh, the armor and weapons have their own upgrade uh, merchants where you can go in, upgrade those separately. So if you have a gun that you really like, you get a few materials or some gold from kind of grinding out enemies, you can upgrade that and continue using them. Um, like, so you can keep using the main starting weapons. Like, you get a hunting rifle or whatever you want at the beginning. You're not going to get, like, a better hunting rifle down the line. You'll, you'll get better mods. And mods are just essentially spells. Like, I got one that turns my gun into a grenade launcher when I hit RB or whatever. And some there's one that puts a healing circle around you. And yep. you can just, you can put any mod in any gun, which is great. It's all stats-based. So you're, like, upgrading, getting your damage stat up, always trying to get your you know stat values up and so far it's really good like for a 40 dollar game i don't think i think they could have charged 60 if they really wanted to and i would still be happy with it but so far it's definitely like tied with resident evil as my game of the year i've been having so much fun with it like i still want to go back and play it a whole week later which is crazy because i put like 22 hours into it over the past week (laughs) yeah and um like we were saying uh you me and grace were playing it last weekend and you guys jumped into my game, and what I was playing was completely different from what you guys have played. So it makes for a cool co-op experience because you can play it with up to three people, but your experiences won't be the same from playthrough to playthrough. So it doesn't get stale or one person doesn't know where to go and can sherpa the rest of you. It's a dynamic experience every time everybody gets together to plays, which is, is cool. Yeah, I've started, since we played, I started finding new armor, which is cool. I found, like, an armor set that looks really sweet. And I found, um, like, one that's taken straight from the Dark Tower. This game is, like, as close as you can get to ripping off the Dark Tower without it being copyright (laughs) infringement. Like, they're pulling directly from Stephen King's, like, The Stand-type universe. Like, one of the classes is straight up the gunslinger from that game. Yeah. And you have to do, like, a very pointed dungeon-type quest to get a revolver like his. So, you, I've been going back and trying to get things I missed. Um, but, yeah, I highly recommend that game. And that is not one either of us got for free. Right now, for next week, we're both playing the Dark Pictures Anthology, Man of Medan. Have you started that? We can't really say anything opinion-related about it. But have you started it? No, I, I haven't started it yet. I just downloaded it. So we'll have that to talk about next week, but we both have it. So that's really exciting. Um, I also got Hotline Miami 1 and 2 on Switch just because I'm like legally obligated to buy that game when it becomes available. It's still just Hotline Miami, which means it's great. Yeah, I mean, that's... Runs well. Yeah, I mean, both of those games... I mean, the first one's better than the second one just because the second one has like some of those really cheap corners and stuff that get annoying, but first one's like pretty much a perfect game i don't really know how you could argue against anything in the first game so it's cool that it's being released on uh more platforms right so that's pretty much it for the video games so i hear dr loomis dying again because we have a very small halloween alert uh small update from this guy over at comicbook.com i think off the top of my head his name is patrick cavanaugh i follow him on twitter he's really cool but his like brand is the wolfman which is why i don't know him by his name <laughs> Uh, 
he has the Wolfman on Twitter, like at the Wolfman. That's actually a pretty. That's a good handle. Pretty fucking cool. But he's been, he he did the Tom Atkins interview that I pulled from for my video this week, and he also did an interview with John Carpenter. And Bloody Disgusting reported this as sounds like John Carpenter is scoring Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, but uh, he said he is. He's like straight up like, yeah, I'm uh, I'm doing the I'm doing the score uh, in the like later interview. So. He said scoring Halloween 2018 was a lot of fun. He said he'll do the score. He'll do a new one for the new movie because it's always fun for him. He said he's on board. Let's go. So that's, I mean, we all kind of knew he was coming back, right? Because he's executive producing on it. It'd be weird for him, his son and his godson to not be doing the score. Especially uh, when we see continuing like, the story. Right. When we see the other people who are coming back for it, like David Gordon Green and, uh, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis and everybody. It just seems like if... The rest of the crew is back. Why wouldn't he come back to kind of oversee things and, and write the score again? And, I mean, he just killed it with the Halloween 2018, so I'm just super stoked to see what he brings for the, the upcoming sequels. Yeah, there's a couple stories we could have also put in here. Like, Tom Atkins said he'd like to come back for a cameo, and that's someone I'd like to see, personally, just as a quick one. You know, if they end up in a bar or something, they could have him be a bartender. Just have, like, an It's Miller Time yeah. sign over his back. Just, like, a quick cameo. You know, we yeah. don't need a character right. beat out of him. I, I mean, I, I saw that the guy... The, wait, what? That's, like, the one one character where it, it'd be kind of fun to see him come back because he's not like some of these other people that have been suggested <laughs> where they would make, like, huge impacts on the story. Like having him yeah. in there would strictly be a nod to people who enjoy Halloween three. It wouldn't it wouldn't affect the plot anyway, and I think that would really kind of be the perfect cameo if you were going to put one in in these new movies. Another character I've seen being floated around as rumored to be coming back. This is from the Tom Atkins interview where he said that um, he had not been invited back, but I forgot the guy's name. The guy who played Sheriff Brackett. He was like, "Yeah, they invited him back for the for the new one." Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, but you, you can't really yeah take that with a grain of salt, obviously. But if they brought Sheriff, Sheriff Brackett back, that would be... I'd be fine with that. I think that'd be a really cool character moment for uh, him to pop up and just, you know, talk about how fucked up his life was after his daughter was killed by Michael Myers. You know, like, he doesn't have to be in the movie necessarily or tied directly into the plot, but he could provide some, you know, context for how everyone's feeling post Halloween 2018, you know? Yeah, I mean, it might just be cool to have him kind of talk about, you know, the night he came home and how much that shaped his career and how he'd never seen anything like that and hoped it would never come back or something like that. You know, just a quick, like, one paragraph of dialogue or something that he could just kind of quickly mm -hmm. run through and just kind of put everything back in place and have, like, another Haddonfield survivor from the original be in the movie would be, yeah. be kind of cool. Tommy Doyle's the one where I'm just like, why? <laughs> this it's, If you're a kid when all that goes on, you're piecing out of Haddonfield. The first chance you get. Right. And on top of that, you're leaving. Probably your parents are going to take you out the second anything you go through something like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, that just seems like... <laughs> I don't know why he would stick around. And then, like, uh, like 100%, obviously, Paul Rudd wouldn't come back for it. That would just be... <laughs> ridiculous that was never an option i don't understand right. why that that guy got somewhat jeff snyder whatever from collider i i look at that i follow that guy on twitter and just like he's right a lot but he's also wrong a lot you know but i guess you're only remembered for how often you're right in that world uh but whatever 
I don't really want that character to come back. We'll just see. I saw that on Ryan Turek's Instagram. He posted a picture of David Gordon Green like on, in a warehouse mm-hmm. type set. So they're getting ready to start shooting. The rumor is that they're shooting in three weeks, uh, which seems fine. I don't think there's anything to be alarmed about there. Yeah. But uh, the movie's, movie's coming along, so Seems that's like, good. Uh, they'll have ample time because the uh, first one's coming out in roughly a year from now. Yep, I'm really excited. And speaking of John Carpenter, he wrote a comic book anthology with his wife, Sandy King, called Tales for Halloween Night. And back in 2015, Sci-Fi was going to be turning that into a show, but he kind of took it back along with his wife. He also told comic book Patrick Cavanaugh, he said, Sci-Fi wanted Tales for a Halloween Night, but quickly it became evident that they just wanted the title, and I really saw a disaster on the horizon. So I went, no, 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 that is not a good idea. (laughs) It was a greenlit series, but if it's not going to be something cool for the fans, for the eventual audience, then I don't think it's a good idea to do it. Uh, He said it was dead, but thanks to this interview, he said, it's alive at Paramount now. We're just getting cranked up. And then uh, he asked... He was asked if he would be directing the pilot episode still, and he said, we'll see. I feel like that will definitely happen. And the fact that Paramount is making it says to me it'll probably end up somewhere like Netflix because Paramount sells a lot of shows to Netflix. Like 13 Reasons Why is a Paramount show that they sold to Netflix. So I'm fine with that. I think that'd be really cool, especially if he came back to direct an episode. That'd be a good way for him to crack his knuckles and get back into it. Yeah, I mean, it's just cool that like, Carpenter's always kind of been the kind of guy that would have final say or full creative control in any of his projects. So it's cool he was kind of able to <laughs> oversee this and be like, oh, this is going to be really bad and I don't want my name attached to this. So pull the plug and, and kind of rearrange it to somewhere who will treat it the right way. So it's cool that we're going to get a decent show instead of something that looked like it could have been a disaster. I kind of feel like him taking this show back is why we got channel zero because that was more of an anthology show you know type deal i feel like that was allowed to live because this show died and who knows this might have turned out well on sci-fi they've had a pretty good track record lately but the fact that john carpenter was willing to take it back even though they were paying him which is what he always says is the only thing that matters to him it shows that he's just joking around which is what we always say we're like he's obviously you know like there's obviously some seriousness to it they're paying him for his works which is good you don't want them to take them, but it's obviously not the only thing that matters to him. You know? It's yeah. cool. Yeah. It's, he still has some, some artistic integrity. <laughs> yeah, which is great. And, you know, speaking of things coming back, Robert England, this was brought up again. This is an old story, but it, it originally came out before we started podcasting, so I feel like it's okay for us to talk about it. So, Robert England, again, was asked if he would come back as Freddy, and he stuck to his guns and said we need a freddy that can come back and do the next eight movies or seven i don't want them to remake part one again i'm not freddy anymore you guys i could do one more probably if you shot me up with vitamin c but here's the thing i can't do eight more so we need a new actor that you guys believe in and trust and love that can go the distance he said he wants kevin bacon because kevin bacon loves horror he's a real actor he's a character actor he was in tremors he was in stir of echoes he said he's heard that rumor but the rumor started with him two years ago when he said he wanted kevin bacon to (laughs) take the torch from him it became a rumor and then now he's saying he's heard the rumor which originally started with him so what do you think about kevin bacon playing freddy he's too old 
Like yeah, it's just it's like a stop. <laughs> it's like plugging a like a hole in your wall with like a wad of toilet paper. Right. <laughs> you, if not you, to say anything about his acting ability, but like, you know, uh, honestly, you know, if they were redoing them like twenty years ago, maybe he could have done it and it would have been cool. Yes, but I, I mean, Kevin Bacon's a good actor. I like him, but I think if you're gonna have someone that's going to be the titular character for a horror franchise and you're going to do eight plus movies if it all works out well you need someone who's going to be not old in 10 years and 15 years <laughs> like you're going to need to have someone who's going to be able to play freddy consistently for years to come and the Kevin only way seems too old to do that yeah the only way warner brothers new line is ever going to do a nightmare on elm street remake is if the conjuring starts slowing down and it isn't like next year, The Conjuring Three comes out. That'll be your defining moment as a Nightmare on Elm Street fan as to whether or not you get a new movie. <laughs> Regardless, all they really have to do this is so simple. They just get someone. They they do auditions. They bring in someone who is younger, good for the part, does a great job with the comedic elements of it. Then they just do a crazy story with Robert England, where at the end of it, he wins, steals some souls from some kids on Elm Street, and then morphs younger. Right. They just do a storyline where he's old because the kids have forgotten him. And then he just kills them all. And then he's this new actor at the end. And then they yeah. keep going with that. I, the, the, the thing it's is, though, it, like, if they're going to do it, they have to do it soon. Because, I mean, Robert England said basically, you know, you could shoot him full of vitamin C and he could do one more. So I think. How old is Robert England? Do you know? You read his book, right? Yeah. Uh, he is. Let's see. Like. I want him to do one more. He doesn't have... If he's old as the character, his kills don't have to be that crazy. They could even do the passing of the torch, like, early in the movie. They could do a Friday the 13th style thing where he goes, murders five kids on Elm Street, recharges, grows younger, and then we start the movie, you yeah. know? Right now he's 72. Yeah, so they've got about four years to do this before it's like... Stop before Freddy's trying? gonna be in a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or like can't remember lines. <laughs> right. Like you have to have comedic timing. You know, it's not like it, it's not an easy part to play. Uh, it's weird though. It's like when you look at Jason, Freddy, and Michael Myers. M Freddy is the the outlier because he's tied to one actor for the right. entire franchise. Like even the pseudo reboot, they already did a Halloween 2018 with Wes Craven's New Nightmare. They just ignored yeah. everything. And he played him in that, too. So Yeah. I, I mean, and the character is so, like, personality-based. Yeah. That, like, it's hard He's, to, like, iconic. Right. It's so hard to fit someone else into that mold when you already have, like, the perfect guy. So right. it, it's really tough to, to fit that. I mean, <laughs> we've said in the past, Nathan Fielder Nathan is the guy. Nathan Fielder. And so... Bring him, bring just, him in. Bring him bring in. Him in. Fold. <laughs> bring him in. <laughs> that would be that'd be so funny or like you just gotta you, you can't i don't know i don't know who it'd be it have to be a, a good comedian but we'll see they they have the license they're obviously sitting on it the the, the fact of the matter is the longer they sit on it the more reward they'll reap because they've got the conjuring going strong right uh they also technically own friday the 13th from what i hear they just can't do anything with it and because of the lawsuit, they also own um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre rights. So they have the opportunity here to have 
a new Conjuring universe that is inhabited by Leatherface, Freddy, and Jason. So if they just wait out this lawsuit, because let's face it, both Sean Cunningham and Victor Miller are past their prime. They're they're honest to God not going to be around that much longer. All Warner Brothers and New Line have to do is just wait this out, and then they've got their slasher universe. You know? Yeah. I would just, uh, just you know, put all the mocap balls on uh, Robert England now while he can still act and <laughs> just keep that in the back part. Do it like, like a Transformer style yeah, where right. they, they do all the action scenes. Yeah. yeah, like you can do that. You can really do that. They're just like, we could, like get a script together, film it, and right. then have it ready on the shelf and then just shoot the rest of the movie around it. Right. That's a great idea. <laughs> just like have all the Freddy... Like, lines and shit downloaded somewhere in case you need to just, like, insert them into a scene. Yeah, just we transfer it to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Keep it in your email. <laughs> but, you know, New Line and Warner Brother are doing just fine because they also have Doctor Sleep coming out later this year from Mike Flanagan. And, George, this movie's rated R. Are you surprised at all by that? Not even a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, Mike Flanagan's uh, Doctor Sleep, a sequel to The Shining. Well, The Shining's not that gory. I guess the only thing... It's still an R-rated movie. Yeah, like, there's a lot of F-bombs in it. There's but, the nude you know... lady in the bathtub with no skin on. <laughs> They're making a modern movie for modern audiences. There's the elevator you know, full up... of blood. <laughs> we gotta up the ante in 2019. Uh, they got rated R for disturbing and violent content, some bloody images, language, nudity, and drug use. Cool. I'm excited for that movie. I saw that the the reactions to It Chapter 2 were not great. Mm-hmm. They were good. Lukewarm. I'm just, I'm curious to see what goes on with that movie. Because, you know, the people that they invited to this, like, insanely early screening was, like, a swath of critics who are only positive 100% of the time. Uh, and then, like, fans. I didn't, like, there was a few critics in there who I, like would trust but for the most part it seemed like they invited a lot of fans and smaller youtubers so like i don't know i'm really curious yeah, to see what the rest of the general the, consensus the largest is on... of confidence there <laughs> yeah they did a screening in chicago i know brad from bloody disgusting liked it so that's someone i definitely i trust his opinion um they did a screening in texas and they did a screening here um yeah, so the one here I saw had the most people who are just always positive about anything they see early because they want to be that person. The ones from Texas seemed like lukewarm and Brad was positive. So, I don't know. I hope it's good. Yeah, bit, bit of a mixed bag, but um, I don't know. I mean, that second half of the book is definitely way harder to adapt than the first half. Because you can have... You know, yeah, kids. you were saying that because you read it. Right. I mean, the first half is basically just kids facing their fears in a small town that's evil, which, you know, that's fairly easy to adapt and make fun and make yeah. cool. Because the, there's 50,000 movies you can just copy. Right. Worse comes to worse, you know? When you have things like the ritual of Chud and, like, the, <laughs> <laughs> the adults coming back and, like, switching timelines between adults and children and... You know, you have, like, the guy from the insane asylum who's being controlled by Pennywise. And, there, you know, there's there's a lot of moving parts in that second half that don't yeah. necessarily come together really strong. Uh, I heard that uh, the biggest complaint was that it doesn't earn its three-hour runtime. It was just like, this didn't need to be as long as it was. It felt like they wanted it to be epic, so they stretched the uh, 
the the time frame of the movie. Also, I heard that the adults don't have chemistry at all, but only Bill Hader is amazing, which I don't really get. I mean, I I, I believe that Bill Hader's amazing in it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not what I don't get. Yeah. I believe, like, everyone's saying he should be win an Oscar for his role in this, which I'm very excited about. I just think it's weird that they don't that they don't have chemistry. Right. You know, like, it, it seems like isn't that the whole point? Like, does like what? Right. What? Like, like they should all be friends, <laughs> and it's not like this movie had a bunch of schlub actors. Like, you know, all the pe- yeah. all the adults are like fairly accredited. Like, not <laughs> you know, they should be able to hold their own in a movie like this. I mean, it's James McAvoy and Jessica Chastain. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it it just seems like. The actors shouldn't be the ones at fault here. I don't know. Like, you would assume they would I mean, all work. We'll know soon enough. It's out in less than two weeks, which is insane. Really snuck up on us. Yeah. So we'll see. But uh, you cursed me, George. You put um, this man on here. <laughs> on your document. I put it on just for you. Well, guys, gotta crack my knuckles here. So... <laughs> Another news story that was regurgitated by another crappy website, like we got this covered, is that Johannes Roberts has been talking about his Resident Evil movie he's directing. We talked about this in January, which is weird, but I guess he had a new interview with Screen Rant over the weekend, and he said, we are in active development of that at the moment. I pitched them a take, and they really loved it. So we are just gearing up to shoot that as we speak. I'm in the office all the time, so yeah, it's great. He says it's going to be super scary, and it's just getting back to the roots of the game. I will believe this when I see it, (laughs) and even then, I will not believe that this dude has it in him to make a quality Resident Evil movie. There's just, there's no fucking way that's going to happen. Constantin Films still owns the license. It's the same company who made the last seven of them with Paul uh, W.S. Anderson or whatever his name is. The first one did follow the plot of the game, so did the second one, and they were still not very good. Like, the the second movie followed Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3, kinda. Because they brought Nemesis Nemesis into it. in the movie, but it wasn't like... They they basically just used the character model, and that's it. Like, this guy's track record is terrible. It's awful. He did the other side of the door. He did 47 meters down. He did Strangers Pray at Night and the new 47 Meters Down. All of those movies have awful critical reviews. Terrible. And I've seen a lot of them, and they're all bad. <laughs> like, why are we... Why is Cap, I bet Capcom is, like, fucking sitting there like Disney right now. Like, why the fuck did we ever sell this license to this company? Like, what the hell are they doing? They spent all this time bringing Resident Evil back to its roots, which is what Johannes Roberts says he's doing. I don't believe for a fucking second this guy knows anything about the (laughs) the franchise of games. Like, come on, dude. I remember when James Wan was attached to this, and he was like, yeah, we're doing Resident Evil 7. That was the only glimmer of hope I've ever had for this movie franchise. I'm just curious what what kind of blood packed Capcom sold these movies to because they've made like like you said this is gonna be like, what the eighth movie it's like how many movies do they yeah. <laughs> have to make it seems like this should have been turned back at some point it shouldn't be like an <laughs> indefinite contract where you could just make as many resident evil movies as possible especially when they almost killed that poor stunt woman on the side of the last i think one. she did eventually die I looked it up after you, you like have a beating heart for this stunt woman because you've brought her up like four times, which I think is great. 
Like, we got to recognize the stunt people. But now it's just making me sad because I think she did eventually die, which sucks because it's like they could have. Like, she didn't like, even die for know. a good movie. She died, yeah, <laughs> she I died know. for like Resident Evil 8. But I will say the stunt that she was injured doing was fucking awesome in the movie. I, I saw Resident I was at the premiere of Resident Evil, the, the final chapter, Resident Evil 7, I guess. And that was the only moment everyone was like, Woo! It was like a mad. It was like a Mad Max scene. Like it was really cool. Yeah. She like hops off a semi truck with a motorcycle, and has to jump over like a freeway sign. I guess is the best way to put it. But I think she just hit the sign, mm-hmm. which is what the stunt woman did. But they got it right. They like CGI'd it or whatever for the movie, and it was really cool. The problem was it's like in the first five minutes of the movie, and that's the, the <laughs> highlight. That's the, entire the high thing. point. <laughs> so that sucks, dude. I just don't want. Like I, I don't understand how this guy gets work. Like, you know, *Strangers Prey at Night* didn't make a profit. Forty-seven meters down, *Uncaged* did not make a profit. He's like one for four <laughs> on turning a profit, which is, tech, I guess, the only thing that matters in this industry. Unfortunately, like, why is this guy handling *Resident Evil* at the high point of its life? You know? Yeah, I, I mean, I get it. I I would understand it if the games they were making were like the caliber of Resident Evil Six, but yeah. we're getting to the point where they the, really did meet in the middle there, huh? You're yeah. right, <laughs> but like that, there was a point. <laughs> There's definitely a point where they're at the exact same spot of quality level. Yeah, and then yeah. Resident Evil Seven came out, and everyone was like, "Okay, the series still has legs." And then these movies were like, "Well, we sure don't." And then Resident Evil 2 remake came out. We were like, it has more legs than we thought it did. And then this movie's like, believe me, the movies sure still don't. It's like the games are in this great point where they can go in two directions. They can do a Resident Evil 3 remake and everyone will be happy. Or they can do Resident Evil 8 and everyone will be happy. And the movie's like, we can do anything and everyone's going to be upset. Because we haven't earned anyone's goodwill whatsoever. Like, they just haven't. It's not like Fast and Furious where, you know, at the fifth movie, they started getting good. They just get worse. Like, they're on a steady decline yeah. with Resident Evil all the way to the bottom. Yeah, definitely. So, I don't believe this movie is going to be any good at all. You could take you could take that to the bank. I don't believe that If this movie ever actually does get finalized, I think it's going to be a big pile of shit. So, we'll see. <laughs> but you know what does look good, George? What looks good, Jimmy? Underwater starring Kristen Stewart. You put this on here. I saw people being like, it's Alien, but underwater. And I was like, I don't want to watch that trailer. It's like when the Life trailer came out. And everyone's like, this is a prequel to Venom. I was like, "Eh, whatever. (laughs) I don't really care. But I watched the trailer because you put it on here. This movie looks awesome. Yeah. Like, really, really good. Yeah, it looks really cool. I mean... So, it's a bunch of uh, underwater researchers. Um, They go seven miles under the ocean and they're at their like little base and then a monster attacks them and it's literally alien yeah but that it looks good though yeah it looks sweet i mean i I think the underwater setting is really cool for a monster movie we haven't seen that too often i mean we definitely had like the isolated monster movies in the past but having like an underwater base where there's literally nowhere to run and know where you can go, you're trapped there, or you die. Right. 
It, right. it just seems cool. And and I think uh, Kristen Stewart's kind of like an underrated actress. I think she's, she's like primed for her Robert Pattinson right. <laughs> turnaround. Right. She's ripped. She's like pretty hot. And she can act. Yeah. Good combo. All, all good things. And uh, like, I, honestly, I think she would really do well in like a Ripley role where she's kind of like the strong female protagonist. I think she could really uh, kill it in a, in a role like that, like in this movie. Yeah. Like she's... They show her they show her body off in this trailer in the same way as Ripley, where it's like to show that she's really strong. Yeah. Like Linda Hamilton in Terminator. Like the new one where she still looks yeah. strong as shit. <laughs> Dude, did you I think we I don't know if we read it on here. There was a quote from her where she was like, This shit better be good because <laughs> I cannot get in this shape again. Like I can't do it. She's like, they kicked my ass every day for like six months. Also, she was divorced from James Cameron, and it, she was married to James Cameron during Terminator 2, I guess. No, I didn't know that. And their marriage did not end well. And I guess he called her up and was like, will you please come back to this Terminator <laughs> movie? And she did it. So, if the, Tim Miller, that's his name, right? Yeah. No. Some, something Is like it? That. I don't know. The guy who did Deadpool, if he lets her, Linda Hamilton down, he's letting us all down. But especially her. Linda Hamilton's going to go to his right house her. and kick his ass. <laughs> He, dude, she could. Yeah, she, she could. fucking could, dude. She could. Do you see her? Yeah. I really want another trailer for that movie that's actually good, though. Like, that's my, like, one wish in life right now. I mean, Terminator's another weird series where, like, they made two good movies, yeah. and everything else has been terrible. And then they expect <laughs> They us- tried to make a Amelia Clark Sarah Connor, right. which is just, like... What a fucking joke. And then like, they that ex- is such bad <laughs> casting. And they expect us to get hype for this new one. Like, I know you guys, how much, how much you guys love this series. It's like, do we? Arnold was like, on stage at Comic-Con, and they were asking, they're like, why do you guys keep going back? He's like, I don't know, I'm addicted to doing Terminator. It's like my favorite <laughs> role I've ever played. He's like, if they've got a spot for me, I'll come back. He's like, great vote of confidence, dude. Jesus Christ. Right. Like, that and like, then he was like, he was like, oh, but this one's gonna be good. <laughs> it's not like he came out there and said, Oh, but this like I had to come back. The writing was so good for this that I really felt I could do the character justice. He's like, No, I like being a robot that kills things. How are they gonna like how is he old? Right? <laughs> because Terminator 2 ends with him melting dipping himself in the lava. And then but his arm stays there because his arm gets broken off. And I guess that's gonna be the plot crux for this movie. Skynet sends back this other Terminator to collect his arm so that they can make another term Terminator? I don't know. That's where that's where you get fucked with uh time travel time, movies. Time travel. You think like movies. whatever their fake skin they put on the Terminator's ages? Yeah, it has to. So like I've I haven't had this argument before, but I've seen other people have it. And I guess the age-old argument with the Terminator is he is a cyborg because he has human skin over his skeletal robot body. I just disagree with that on like a fundamental level. <laughs> Like, what is the threshold for being a cyborg? Because he's a do robot you start, with a suit on. Do you have to start on. as human? I thought... My understanding of a cyborg was you had to be part man, part machine. And he's no no part of him is man. He's a robot. But he has human skin. Yeah, but it's, it's just a suit. If I put on That's a wolfman mask, am I part wolfman? No, because it's not... Your wolfman mask isn't alive. Like, if you killed a wolfman... <laughs> and integrated his wolf head into your body 
like mineral vegetable animal man in Doom Patrol, then you're not a cyborg still because you're not a robot. I just don't think he's a cyborg. I think he's 100% robot down to the gears. But we can agree that this... I mean, we're not disagreeing because I agree with you, actually. But um, we can agree that the skin ages because it's just like skin, right? It kind of has to. I mean, that's the only way... That's not too far of a stretch of an argument for them to make with this new movie. Right. I feel like that's a good enough... Like, I'm okay accepting that kind of weird cop-out... To have Arnold Schwarzenegger back right. as the T-800 right. that, or whatever. That's good enough. Yeah. So, yeah. What? So un- <laughs> underwater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, underwater. That's cool. Um, so, you also put on here our favorite horror festival that only shows old movies. Salem Horror <laughs> Fest announced their invasion-themed lineup. It's called Attack... No, it's not what it's called. So, their lineup includes Attack the Block, which came on 2011 and stars John Boyega. Uh, that's Friday, October 4th. Then they go The Blob, 1988. They got The Thing, Under the Skin, which is a completely underseen, awesome horror movie starring Scarlett Johansson. Uh, Funny Games, which uh, might be the remake... I'm not sure. I think the remake came out pretty close to the original, so who knows. Uh, The Strangers, can't go wrong there. Critters franchise, not a diehard fan of the Critters franchise like most people seem to be, but I respect it. The Faculty of Horror podcast live show, don't know who they are. They're probably pretty good, right? Like, we can assume. You'd assume assume so, yeah. Like, 1% less good as us. (laughs) Sight unseen. Um, so it starts Thursday, October 3rd, and it runs through Sunday, October 27th. The, re- it, the reason it's so long is because they really only run it on weekends because uh, Salem is Halloween for the entire month of October. But they're really nice. The people who run it are really cool. We were there last year for Halloween. I would definitely go check this out if you are around the Salem, Boston area of Massachusetts. Yeah, definitely. This. That event was super fun to go to last year, so hopefully if we go back this year, we can catch at least some of it. Yeah, we saw that Scary Stories doc that was uh, not great. But we did see Halloween 2018 early. That was great. That was great. (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) Also, Dead by Daylight, they uh, they got Stranger Things. Uh, They got Steve, they got Nancy, they got the Demogorgon, they released a little video about it. It's just another DLC pack for... Dead by Daylight, which we recently played Dead by Daylight with uh, Ethan and Grayson, and everything I don't like about that game is still in it. <laughs> like It yeah, looks I mean, good, right? Yeah, it's a weird game. I mean, the concept is cool, um, but I don't know, like, there's just some piece of it that's missing to make it a fun game. Like, there's a lot of little, right. like, there's a lot of little annoyances you could sort of overlook if it was, like, fun to play. But there's just something missing about it. Uh, like I, I playing as a survivor is terrible. Yeah, it's just not fun. Right. I I think it is cool that there is a horror game out there that's still getting these like big name licenses, licensing mm-hmm. tie-ins. Like I think that's cool that they get all the, you know, they've gotten a lot of big slasher villains, and now they have Stranger Things, which is like a another big horror cultural phenomenon. So I think it's mm-hmm. cool that like they're able to get these big franchises to come into their game and that like the horror movie tie-in game stuff isn't dead. But right. I just think as a game, it's not for me. Missing out on the important things, you might say. You might say. 
I mean, it depends what kind of gamer you are, because I am a very mechanics-driven gamer, which is why George and I continue. Actually, you're you're we're both mechanically driven gamers, but we just appreciate different types of mechanics. <laughs> right. You like the strategic thinking man type games, right? And I'm like, I like the ones that feel good to play. Right. That's like where my baseline is. <laughs> and Dead by Daylight wants you to think it's mechanically sound, and it wants you to think it's a thinking man's game as the survivor, but it all comes down to luck and whatever perk you unlocked, and that's kind of bullshit. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, unless it really goes through... Like, I don't know if the issue is that it needs, like, major balancing changes where it feels better... Like, you don't feel as helpless as a survivor, but at the same time, you, you kind of should feel helpless as a survivor. So it's this weird yeah. limbo that you're playing in, where you don't want them to be too powerful, but you don't want them to be so weak, but they're not fun to play as. So it's like, I don't know. You In in uh, Friday the 13th, you can, you can hit up combat stance against Jason, and you can fuck him up. Like, you can kill Jason if you do this re- weird combo, where it's like, you know how in Friday the 13th, you can die... But then if you're dead, you can come back as Tommy Jarvis if someone calls you in. Right, yeah. So if you get a girl character to put on Jason mom's, Jason's mom's sweater and you have Tommy Jarvis on the map, there's some other weird combination you have to do. I think do, you also need to get the shotgun or something. He Tommy has the gun. Okay. So he, he spawns it with a gun. That's why you need him. So you can, you can kill Jason, essentially, by enacting something. I don't know. I've done it before with Riley... From Slash and Cast. But Dead by Daylight doesn't have that. It's all luck based. Like, even when you get up on the hook, you can hold the left mouse button and pull yourself off the hook. But that's luck based. It's just it's just not fun. And they, they, they update the game, they increase the graphics, they increase the technical performance, they add in all these killers, but they the at the core of the game, it's just not a fun game, and they're not doing anything to fix it. Yeah, and as I, far as I know, I don't really know like how that could be done to really fix it at this point. Like, I don't know what suggestions I would have for it. Right? How would we know? Right? We're not game designers. We live in a society, <laughs> just like the Joker, which landed in our rating for strong bloody violence. So someone DM'd this to me this morning. Uh, his name is Burger Boy on Twitter, and he said he sent me this article that was uh that Joker got an R rating, and he said finally. We will see on screen that gamers are the most oppressed class. <laughs> and I, I've i seen people going both ways. That is relevant to this conversation. That was just a funny anecdote. I've seen people saying that, like, yes, this movie looks really good. The Scorsese-produced element looks great. But then I've seen people saying that this looks like the most we-live-in-a-society-gamers-are-oppressed type movie ever. But I disagree with those people. I think it looks really good. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I'm definitely really hyped for this movie. Uh, it looks great. Yeah. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix, yeah, he's a bit of a nut job. Yeah, he was born to a cult. But who better to play the Joker than Joaquin Phoenix? Right. It's like a Heath Ledger moment all over again. But this time everyone was like, this guy's perfect for this role. Yeah, and I mean, like, I don't know. I, I think everything we've seen from the trailers leads me to believe that this is going to be good. I, yes. I could kind of get this, like, 
we live in a society kind of cringe like i hope this doesn't turn out to be another heath ledger one where the fucking neckbeard edgelords use this joker as their fucking calling card and, and that's kind of what i was getting at like yeah i, I don't like, want it to be I just, like i hope it doesn't turn out like that like i don't want incels to look at the joker and be like this is our mascot and we love him <laughs> you know what i mean it just seems yeah. like it, I, I could see it turning into that very quickly i just hope it's not that <laughs> i hope it's a good movie like you can take the joker and ground him in reality as like a guy who is a clown but also kills people and robs banks right. as like some comedic tragic like comedic justice or whatever you yeah. know what i mean like there's a good way to do this and it feels like they're on the right track but i i second what you said i hope this doesn't fucking start that shit over again because that was terrible we had a <laughs> guy in our friend group who was just so fucking annoying <laughs> about that shit man like he would just quote the joker from the dark knight all the time <laughs> it's like stop please <laughs> stop so that's why that's legitimately why i hate batman <laughs> like why i just can't get into it because i have just deep deep-seated wrinkles on my brain of having the fucking joker from the dark knight quoted to me in real life <laughs> for an entire year after that movie came out yeah it's just not good yeah. it's not a good place to be in and, and that's my biggest fear with this. Like, I think it will be a good movie, just as I think The Dark Knight is a good movie. I just don't want this social revolution around the Joker to come up again. Yeah. So that's going to be rated R and out on October 4th. I hope it's good. Also, George, so today at the we put these last two things on here because Disney had their Disney Plus event at Disney D23 today, and they announced a bunch of shit. But the only two things worth talking about on this podcast are we finally got a trailer for The Mandalorian, and it looks awesome. Yeah. It was just a collection of shots, but I feel like they were just proving that this is going to be a like cinematic-type show, a movie-quality one. And I saw IG-88. It looks like a Western. John Favreau said his goal for this show was, was for it to be the Iron Man of the Star Wars universe, where it can bring people back, but also get people who have never been into it into it. Right. And... I want John Favreau to MCU Star Wars. Yeah. Now that the, the Skywalker saga is wrapping up, they can kind of explore different time periods. This feels like a great jumping on point for that. Definitely. And he's he's one guy that I would trust with this more than most directors. He obviously knows what he's doing. He's extremely, you know, really smart guy, knows how to do stuff like this, knows how to work in these big franchises better than probably most people do. Uh, the show looks awesome. I had total confidence in it from the start, but I, it's just cool that we finally get some more, you know, actual footage from the show and it looks as good as it does. Yeah, I got to start pocketing some money away for the Lego sets. <laughs> I just got to get ready because his ship looked cool. You know, we're going to have some bounty hunter type deal. I think this is a great way for them to repurpose the script they had for um, the Boba Fett movie. That's obviously what they're doing here. You know, one thing I noticed it, is that it looks like he has a carbonite sealer on his ship, which I really like. It, it seems weird that these rumors come out so long ago where people are saying, oh yeah, there's a Boba Fett movie, it's being made, there's a uh, Obi-Wan movie in the works, there's this, there's that, and then now they're coming out as Disney Plus shows, so it seems like there might have been just a miscommunication when the leaks yeah. happened, where people were assuming it was a movie, but it's actually just yes. a Disney Plus show the whole time. But it was like because before, people don't know what the fuck they're talking <laughs> right. about. Right, it was before Disney, Disney Plus was announced as an actual thing. So, it I think this these were probably just misfires and the rumor mill, and they were, 
I assume the Boba Fett movie was actually this show the entire time, and same with the Obi-Wan movie. The weird thing is, um, Solo, this show, and Obi-Wan all take place around the same time period. So I feel like we could see people like Kira, maybe even Alden Emmerich, or whatever his last name was, Solo, popping up. I don't know how much people like that, but I like that they have this other little micro-universe going on. I think that's pretty cool. I am very excited for an Obi-Wan show. Um, I think they kind of blew their wad by letting Obi-Wan kill Darth Maul in Star Wars Rebels. You'd think if they knew this show was happening, they wouldn't have let that happen. Right. Because of when the Obi-Wan show is going to take place, you know he's going to be encountering fucking Darth Maul. Like, have a little foresight there. It's like, this just blows my mind. But I'm, I'm glad. I, I think Star Wars is in a, a good pivotal spot. I'm really excited for the Dark Souls ripoff Jedi game that's coming out at the yeah. end of this year. Yeah, me too. Uh, I think that's going to be cool. There's this new game called Rebel Galaxy Outlaw that I'm looking like hovering over on the Epic Game Store because it's literally like a Star Wars space shooter. I love Star Wars. I still keep up with all the books or anything, but it's just like Marvel where you can't tweet about it anymore because some asshole wants to <laughs> quote retweet you and act smart. Right. And pretend they know how movies work when they don't. But um, yeah, that's cool. We also got an announcement for Moon Knight as a Disney Plus TV show. We've been begging for this. I love Moon Knight. I connect with him on a spiritual level <laughs> in more ways than one. I'm really glad they're doing a show. It just it better be more violent than what we've seen in the MCU. Yeah, I mean it's it's weird cuz you know, we've had the ultra violent, you know, in air quotes ultra violent show on Netflix with <laughs> like Daredevil where there just was Daredevil. There were cool fight scenes. I mean, I don't necessarily yeah. like I wouldn't call any of those fight scenes like R-rated or overly brutal or anything. I think that kind of gets blown out of proportion, but um and, and I think it, it, I would assume to be more neutered on Disney Plus than it would be on Netflix in terms of like violence and blood and so I don't know. I I think this show in particular when you use characters like this that are so like brutal about hand-to-hand combat and i mean even this and like blade is kind of like worrying because he uses a katana and cuts people's <laughs> heads off and yeah. stuff. so it just seems like i don't know they need the john wick team for moon knight yeah totally they really do you need that style of action for moon knight because this whole deal is that he has moon powers that increase and decrease based on the phase of the moon so like full moon he's ultimate power no moon he's no power but he's also an alcoholic, which is funny. And he hates Dracula. And, yeah, and he fucking hates Dracula. So his whole thing is he was a mercenary, and then he invested all of his money in the stock market and got super rich. <laughs> and I guess Dracula stole a bunch of money from him, which is like a cool plot line. But my favorite, I think it's from Age of Ultron, my favorite Moon Knight moment. It might be more recent than that. Uh, Gamora's like explaining some like world ending war to all of the Avengers. And Moon Knight's like, fuck. To Spider Man, he's like, fuck, man. I spaced out. He's like, what, what's going on? He's like, well, Gamora's telling us about the end of the world. He's like, who's Gamora? And Spider Man's like, dude, just punch whoever I punch in like 10 minutes. He's like, okay. It's like, damn, man. I like Moon Knight. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he seems like he could definitely be kind of played in both those ways, like ultraviolet and very tongue in cheek, like almost a combination of like a Deadpool or and uh, you know. I'm telling you, man, if we don't hear, I know you're here, Dracula, you big fucking nerd. Where's my goddamn money? As the first line of that show, it's a failure in my books. Yeah, 
and <laughs> I'm I'm confident that it'll be a failure in your books then. <laughs> Why? You don't think they're going to have him <laughs> call Dracula a lying fuck from no. telling him he's in the Avengers? I, I don't think so. <laughs> you don't think they're going to have Tom Holland say, call uh, Moon Knight a drunk, crazy asshole? Too soon. Tom Holland's already gone. I heard um that is already resolved, so... <laughs> Disney countered with 30%. I think Sony's going to take it. Well, let's hope so. Uh, I tweeted that um, John Watts, the director of the Spider-Man movies, apparently Sony and Disney were fighting over him. And I tweeted that um, he directed and wrote Clown, so of course they would be. And everyone thought I was being sarcastic. (laughs) It's a good movie. I love that movie. Anyways, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with our review of Ready or Not. All right, George. So we were going to do 47 meters down uncaged this week, but I didn't want to yell about Johannes Roberts anymore. So at the last second, in the 11th hour, (laughs) we decided to see Ready or Not to go support our girl Samara Weaving. To be honest, I would have picked this initially, but I did not know it was coming out because they didn't market it at all. Yep. Don't know why, because it's like literally a spiritual successor to uh, Year Next, featuring directors and writers from VHS, stars Samara Weaving, it's fucking awesome. It was so good. Yeah, uh, I thought this movie was really cool, but like you said, I had no idea that this movie existed until you were like, "Would do you want to see this movie instead?" And I was just like, "I, I guess, but what is it?" <laughs> <laughs> so it was weird that like this movie had absolutely no marketing push at all. But like, I, I'm I'm sad that this movie's gonna get buried basically this weekend. Oh I yeah, know it's I gonna fucked. see it. When it's such There's a fun... There's too many horror movies out. Yeah. And it's such a fun, cool, original story. So if, if you're unaware, like I was, you don't know what this movie is. Uh, it involves a bride who's getting married, Samara Weaving, into this family who... <laughs> into this family who is a board game empire. And on their wedding night... I thought you, you were going to say if this family who's bored. Who's bored. Like, okay. They're super bored. And uh, Sorry on the wedding night, my drink. there's part of a part of the ritual of the family is the new person has to play a game, and it's this little cursed box gives you a card, and whatever card comes out is the game that you have to play to be initiated into the family. She draws the one bad card, and essentially the whole family hunts her down and tries to kill her before the sun rises. Yes, their house is very cool. It's it uses its budget successfully, but Samara Weaving once again great anchor for this horror movie yeah, she's totally. in like um, without a question she's the strongest part of this movie she's incredible at screaming she's really good at selling that <laughs> which we noticed in mayhem yeah. i still i don't think she's i don't think anything she's been in as nearly as good as mayhem because she was in fucking uh the babysitter which was garbage and <laughs> this movie was great but it wasn't i don't think it matched mayhem for me that movie just had a better sense of style in my opinion but this is a very similar movie to mayhem yeah. which is weird so she keeps getting cast in these movies that are great and everyone who sees them likes them because this movie has a 91 in rotten tomatoes <laughs> but then no one goes to see them because of marketing or just like whatever i don't know it's stupid right fucking pisses me off because she's awesome yeah 
I mean, she definitely drives the movie really hard. Uh, she's like carries this entire movie on her back. Not that the other she ca- gets beat up. Yeah, I mean, not that the other characters are bad or anything, but not only do we focus the majority of the movie on her perspective of the events that are going on, but she's the one that we root for, and it's kind of the you know she's like I guess the final girl for lack of a better word, where she's kind of like surviving the whole time uh, from the killers. It adds. You know, there's a lot of, like, it's it's very much a dark comedy. There's moments that are put in it to be, like, laugh-out-loud funny. Uh, you know, like, some good situational humor. A lot of fun characters. I mean, it was just a total blast to me. Like, I, I think if you're at all interested in this movie, please go see it because uh, I wanted to make money. And, like... <laughs> it, can't, it can't have been that expensive. Yeah. It was, like, a single-location movie... The cast was pretty much all no names except for her, where technically speaking, she doesn't have a lot of like marketing pull yet. Right. She will. Um, the prosthetic effects were all really good though. I thought they were awesome. I like the use of weapons in the movie. And I thought it was smart that, you know, obviously since it's a family and you have to have kills in the movie, they'd have to start picking them off, but then they just introduce uh, like butlers and stuff that become the targets. Right. When, so you can keep the plot going. There's a lot of good comedy in this movie. I laughed a lot at a lot of the jokes. Um, the one thing that really I didn't like about it though is that the score sounds like stock music. Score is like, definitely it's just pretty not weak. good. Yeah. It, it it literally is just like they do epic moments where they're like, check her out, she's in her wedding dress and Converse sneakers. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it's like from it's like, that's a movie Border- maker. It's like track. Borderlands music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a it's like a bad video game track. Like, I just didn't like it. I thought it was not good. <laughs> I was just. I wish this had a better score, especially considering Your Next had a great like synth score, and then they used that one song a lot. Yeah, looking for the magic, and then uh, the guest also had a great synth score. Those guys were probably on a similar budget to this. I just feel like they kind of dropped the ball in terms of they're trying to do this like weird using classical music to represent the like age of this family, but it just didn't really work for me. Um, I like the ending of this movie, not spoiling anything, a lot more than the ending of Your Next, though. Like. It had an opportunity to go as dark as your next, and it definitely didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I also really enjoyed the ending. I thought that was a cool way to take it. You know, it, it's it's yeah. kind of funny because it's like you're waiting the whole movie to see, like, <laughs> see what's going to happen because they keep talking about, like... The, <laughs> the family is, like, cursed, right? right? They So, I missed... The, spoil, all right, guys. So, I decided to see this movie on the way home from work. I punched in the closest AMC on my map, and it was like, you will get there 20 minutes after the movie's supposed to start. I was like, all right. <laughs> so that means I'll get there like 35 minutes after the movie's <laughs> supposed to start. Cause it's like, so I'm like flying. I buy the ticket. I'm like, George, you got to tell me the first five minutes of the movie. But I got there in like such a nick of time moment that I didn't have a chance to read the first five minutes <laughs> of the movie. And um, so I don't know what happened. I know that they get married at the beginning, obviously. I basically came in and sat down when they were when she t- tells the mom about uh, how she was in a foster family and she was just so excited to have a new family. That's where I started watching the movie. Oh, okay. So I'm not exactly up up to the date, up to the current second <laughs> on the the whole curse thing, but basically, if they don't win the game, uh, they're supposedly gonna die. That's what I was able to glean. And the whole movie, you're just like, what's gonna happen? Are they right. gonna die? Or aren't they? And it's just like... But you'll just have to see it to find yeah, out. Yeah, it's just that this, like, really kind of funny old money. They're just a bunch of weird old rich people 
And they are really weird. Like they're <laughs> they're weird. That's a good yeah. way to put it. They're not like your average fucking like snooty rich people. They, they, it takes a little bit for the facade to fall down. And you can tell that when they pull the hide and seek card, it's like they're just this like we don't know what the fuck to do. Right. As, as Samara Weaving is, but she's awesome. She does a great job with all of her stunts. She was game for everything. You can tell she gets covered in blood. Yeah, in this definitely. Movie. Not, uh, not afraid to be covered in the, in the prosthetic blood between this and Mayhem and, and the babysitter. I think she's... There's also a kid with a gun. Yep. Which is cool. <laughs> <laughs> the kid element was like, why are there kids in this movie? And then at the end of the movie, I was like, why are there kids in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I, I would wholeheartedly recommend going out and seeing this. Um I think out of everything that's out this weekend, this is probably the one to go see. Um, I, what did you give it on Letterboxd? I gave it a four star on Letterboxd. I thought it was really fun. I, w- I also gave it a four. I would definitely watch it again. Uh, you know, it, If you miss it in the theaters and you see it on a streaming service, I would say definitely watch it then. Um, or like in a red box or something. But I, I would say don't, the don't miss Blu-ray this one. Buy the Blu-ray if you like it. Yeah, it, buy well, the yeah go to the theater. Listen, here's your options right now. You can, you've probably already seen Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark because we recommended it last week, which means you have to go see it. <laughs> 47 meters down uncaged, you don't, just don't bother. Like, don't, you don't need to see that. It Chapter 2 doesn't come out for two weeks. So even if you disobey us and see 47 meters down 2, you still got, you got time. This, you got this weekend to see that and next weekend to see your, or see it, ready or two. not. And then you've got the weekend after for it. Yeah. So you could have three weeks in a row of bad horror, then two great horror movies, presumably. Maybe a maybe a great and then a good. We don't know yet. We'll let you know when we see it. But that's all I got, George. You got anything else this week? No, that's all I had. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye.